Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. We are in a series on the Holy Spirit that uh, we're calling Pneuma. That's the Greek word for uh, the word spirit. And uh, we are specifically talking about uh, spiritual gifts. And so we're going to be delving in this morning and doing a teaching on spiritual gifts. So something pretty crazy happened to our family a few years ago. Um, Avia had gotten one of those wooden Chinese fans from Chinatown or something when we were out. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. They're the, the foldable things. They have the creases and all that and you fan yourself like so she she got one of those and she was upstairs in our apartment and she was fanning herself and she got too close to her eye and she cut her eye and so uh we were freaking out we didn't know how severe the injury was and so the next thing you know priscilla had scooped up avia into her arms and we were hurrying out the door getting our shoes on trying to get out the door uh we we were just pretty freaked out because we didn't know the damage. But uh, during that time, Priscilla had Avia open up her eye and she said when she opened it up, it was just full of blood, just full of blood. And so we rushed down the stairs, we called an Uber and we got into the Uber and I'm gonna finish the story at the end of the message so you gotta stay till the end, okay? <laughs> We're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse 1 for our text today. I'm being dead serious. <laughs> verse 1, it'll be up on the screen for you to read along. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Other translations say uninformed. That's what that word ignorant means. My heart as your pastor is that we as a church operate in and function in these gifts, these spiritual gifts. And as we do... I believe that many people are going to be impacted in a wonderful, wonderful way. As we operate in these, as we, uh, as we get more revelation and more knowledge and more understanding and, and we start to discover our gifts and we start to operate in and function in and walk in, man, this, the, the, the people in your lives, they're going to be impacted in a positive way. The people in this church, they're going to be impacted in a positive way. Our community, our neighborhood it's going to be impacted in a positive way. Let's continue to read verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. And so I, like I mentioned earlier, we're continuing our discussion on the gifts of the Spirit today. And what I told you last week is that uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists nine spiritual gifts, and he breaks those nine spiritual gifts into three categories, okay? And those categories are, if we could put up that next slide, 
Okay? So the revelation gifts, which we looked at last week. If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to go onto our uh, podcast and listen to that message because this is a continuation of last week. Then today we're going to look at the power gifts, and then we're going to look at the inspiration gifts. So I am going to try to uh, work as fast as I can to go through the remaining six gifts today. I only got through three last week, so I'm going to do my best to get through the, uh, the, the, the final six today. So in, in these three categories, we have, the, um, we, we have the revelation gifts, which was the uh, word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits, which we talked about last week. And then in the power gifts are the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, and working of miracles. And the inspiration gifts are prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so let's remember these three things about the spiritual gifts before we dive in. And I talked about this last week, and I want to mention it again this week because I think it's important. First, spiritual gifts are not natural talents or based on your intellect. Okay? So what that means is average Joe on the street and and the person that went to an Ivy League college, okay? They can both operate in spiritual gifts because it's the Holy Spirit working through us, okay? Men, women, and children can all operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and we see all of those. Uh, we definitely see men and women in the New Testament operating in the gifts of the Spirit, okay? So they're not natural talents or based on your on your intellect. Number two, spiritual gifts point people towards the lordship of Christ, okay? If you are a part of a, a service or if you're a part of a ministry and the gifts are lifting up a man or the gifts are, are lifting up themselves, the, 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 the priority is the gift in and of itself or the priority of it is the ministry or the church, you know that that is not born of the Spirit, when the spiritual gifts are operating in a biblical manner, they always lift up the lordship of Christ. And number three, spiritual gifts are to be used primarily as a blessing for others. Okay, They're not to be used for our personal enjoyment and blessing. Okay, uh, Paul says that, that we are given these gifts for the common good of everybody in our community. So let's get started on the power gifts. Number one, the gift of faith. Okay. The gift of faith is a special faith that supernaturally achieves what is impossible through human instruments, okay? The gift of faith is not a saving faith, okay? Because everyone has the capacity for a saving faith. And, the, and saving faith is simply the faith needed to hear the gospel, believe in Jesus' atoning sacrifice, and receive salvation for your sins. The Bible says that we cannot be saved. We cannot receive salvation outside of faith. And so this is saving faith. And while anyone can exercise this faith, the gift of faith is graced to individuals as the Holy Spirit sees fit for a specific action, okay? In other words, it's the Spirit working through you to exert this gift to see the impossible become possible in your life. And so let's look at a time where Jesus operated in the gift of faith. Mark chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. 
But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I believe that this is a situation in which Jesus operated in the gift of faith. Jesus and the disciples are traveling in a boat and encounter a really bad storm. And the Bible tells us that the winds and the waves and the rain, they were crashing and they were so bad that the water started actually filling up the boat. And what's crazy about everything is that while this is taking place, while this F5 storm is taking place, what do we hear that Jesus is doing? He is sleeping. In fact, the text tells us that he was sleeping in the back of the boat using a cushion. Okay? He was, he was living his best life. He was chilling. He had a cushion. He probably had a blanket. Okay, he, 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 you know, he probably, he, he probably had a, a Sealy Posturepedic back there that he was sleeping on, a foam mattress that fit his body, you know, and, and what's crazy, this big, huge, crazy storm is going on, and Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping under a cushion. So the disciples wake him up, and he operates in the gift of faith, and he speaks to the storm, and he tells it to be still, and the, and the storm obeys his voice, and the storm completely stops. This was a supernatural act that was not humanly possible without the Spirit gifting Jesus with faith in that moment to calm the storm. Okay, And there are times in our lives... When we are in a situation where the Spirit of God will gift us with a measure of faith to believe for something that outside of a supernatural act of God, we could not see it happen. Amen? The second power gift is the gifts, plural, of healing. And gifts of healing are supernatural endowments of divine health. Okay? How many of you have read through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, in your life? Okay? Most of you have read through those. If you have read and have paid any attention to them, you will see that Jesus healed people all the time during his ministry. Jesus healed people. He operated in this gift all the time in his ministry. He healed people of leprosy. He healed Peter's mother-in-law's fever. Okay? He raised the dead. He, he raised Lazarus from the dead and a, and a young girl from the dead. He healed the paralyzed. Uh, he healed people affected by hemorrhages. If you remember the, the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years. He healed crowds of people at, at, at a time who were lame and crippled and blind and mute. He healed people's mental diseases by casting out demons from them. He healed a withered hand one time. He healed a sickness caused by a spirit one time. And do you know what's really awesome? Jesus said that we would do even greater works than him. Jesus said, you and I and the disciples and everybody that would call upon his name and follow him would do even greater works than he did. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples after 
his resurrection and right before his ascension to be seated at the right hand of the Father where he is presently at right now in Mark chapter 16. Uh, starting with verse 17. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages or new tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Raise your hand if you believe in Jesus. Okay? So, do these signs follow you? Do these signs follow your life? Are you seeing these things manifested in your life right now? Because Jesus said, if you believe, these signs will follow you. Okay? And so if we are followers of Jesus, if we are believers of Jesus, then these signs should follow us. And if they don't, they can, if we will believe, step out and walk in them. Okay? Next time someone is sick or has something going on in their body, why don't you offer to pray for them? Because you'll never see a healing if you don't offer to pray. Okay? If you don't ever step out, you're never going to see it. Okay? God is not going to come in and control your body and force you to ask somebody and force you to pray like a puppet or a robot. He doesn't work like that. You've got to open your mouth and you've got to pray. You've got to ask them. You've got to lay your hands on them. And, and, and you'll, you'll, never, you'll never see an act of God if you don't take the initiative and step out in faith, okay? So next time someone is sick, offer to pray for them and start with your family. Instead of running to the medicine cabinet or WebMD, right? Lay your hands on them and believe for healing. And I'm not against medicine. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against that. But why don't we try praying first? Instead of praying, be the absolute last resort. Or we don't even think of prayer, okay? I remember a time I was in Mexico on a mission trip when I was in high school, and I met, I met a young man, uh, and we started having a conversation, and uh, in the midst of that conversation, he told me that he couldn't see very well, uh, but he couldn't afford glasses. We were in Mexico, and I had a Spanish Bible with me that I wanted to give to him, and so I opened up the Bible, and I asked the, the, the young man, I said, can you read any of this? And he said, no, I can't read any of it because I can't see very well. And so I laid my hands on him and I prayed for this young man. And after I'd finished praying, I opened up the Bible and I, again and I said, is your sight any better? Can you read any of this? And he says, it's better, but I still can't read the words. And so at that point, um, I, I grabbed a group of people, a few people that were around me, and I, I told them the situation. And we uh, laid hands on him again and we prayed for him again. And this time I opened up the Bible and I, again and I said, is it better now? And he looked at that Bible and he started reading the words fluently. Right there in front of my eyes, there was a healing miracle that took place in the life of this young man. He didn't, he didn't have to try to come up with the money to, get a, to, to go to the eye doctor and get a test and get glasses or any of that. God healed him right then and there. Amen? Another time. And uh, th this, is, this is really crazy. Another time, we were, Priscilla was with me at the time. We were in Bible school, and we were in uh, the uh, remote mountains of Mexico, deep into Mexico, what, five, six hours in, something like that. And we were doing a mission trip there, and we were having a service, and afterwards we were praying for all those that needed healing or needed something in their life. And uh, one of my classmates, he was praying for people, but one guy I saw... Uh, he had a deformed ear, like it was like closed up, deformed. And he prayed for this guy 
and the ear like supernaturally became like a normal ear. Wow. Like I saw it, okay? And it, it was an absolute creative miracle that I saw right before my eyes. And we give all glory to Jesus for these things. But God works in miraculous ways. And I want to tell you something, church. God still heals today. And he uses people gifted by the Holy Spirit to do it. Okay? It's amazing and it's incredible. And we serve a God like this. Okay? The third power gift is the working of miracles. The Greek word working is the, the word energema from which we get the word energy from. And the Greek word for miracles is dunamis from which we get the word dynamite from. Okay, So this term working of miracles can be translated as an explosive energy. Okay? An explosive energy. The gift of working of miracles is the supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature. Okay? And what we need to understand about the miraculous is that it's only miraculous to us humans, isn't it? Because nothing is miraculous to God because He can do anything. And what is an absolute miracle to us mere mortals is perfectly normal to God because he is an all-powerful God. And when we serve this all-powerful God and the Spirit of God is living inside of us, there is an explosive energy that comes forth out of us and God does what God does. All we need to be is available, willing vessels for the Spirit of God to move through. Amen? And again, Jesus functioned in this gift throughout his ministry. And again, I've said this before, but we need to understand that Jesus did not just perform all of these miracles and do all of these amazing things simply because he was God. Okay? There was not one miracle done until Jesus encountered the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came upon him when he got water baptized. Okay? And that is specific. That, that, there's a reason that that was put in the Gospels because, because the writers, the authors, and the Spirit of God wanted us to know that Jesus operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if he, if he operated in only his deity, he was really not overcoming temptation, was he? If he could not feel pain because he was God, he really didn't take the pain of sin upon himself, but he operated in the spirit of God. And so when you read about these miracles, I don't want you to think, oh, well, Jesus did it because he's God. Because the, 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 the apostles that followed him, they saw these things. The apostle Paul saw these things and, 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 and walked in these things. Okay? The early church, if you read the book of Acts, they all walked in the supernatural in this way because Jesus operated in the spirit of God just as you and I can operate in the spirit of God. Okay? And so Jesus uh, functioned in this working of miracles gift throughout his ministry. Uh, by the working of miracles, he turned five loaves of bread and two fish into enough food to feed 5,000 men, not including women and children. It could have easily been about 15,000 people, if you include the women and children, that Jesus turned five loaves of bread and two fish into miraculously. On another occasion, he turned a few loaves of bread and a few fish into enough food to feed 4,000 men, not including the women and children. By the working of miracles, Jesus turned water into wine. 
That was his first miracle. By the working of miracles, he walked on water. And by the working of miracles, Peter walked on water. Listen to what the Apostle John wrote in the last verse of his gospel in the book of John chapter number 21 and verse 25. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written about, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Think about that statement for a moment. We are amazed at the teachings, at the interactions and the miracles of Jesus. But according to his closest confidant here on earth, there are many, many, many things that were not recorded. There were other sermons that were not recorded. There were other miracles that were not recorded. There were other healings that were not recorded. There were other interactions with people that were not recorded. And I say that to say this, Jesus and his disciples and the early church believed in and saw miracles, okay? And another thing, miracles, healings, all of those things should always point people to Jesus, okay? When we experience a miracle or see a miracle in the life of someone we prayed for, it's to cause us to fall more in love with Jesus. We should never fall in love with the gift. We should never fall in love with a person operating in the gift. We should, it, it, these things should always cause us to fall more in love with Jesus, where we understand God loved me so much that he allowed me to experience this in my life, okay? It, it, miracles should further cement our faith in God's truth and in God's word. Okay, that's what miracles, that's what all the gifts should do. It should point us to God's word, God's truth, and, and, and it should point us to the person of Jesus. So if someone ever says that they are the source behind the miracle, you know that they are not walking in the spirit. If you ever watch someone on TV that says, if you give me $99.99, I'll send you a handkerchief, and if you to touch that person that's sick with a handkerchief, they're going to be healed. You know that person is not operating in the spirit. You know that person is operating in the flesh and he's trying to make money. He's a salesman, okay? He's not a man of God, okay? So you, you know if, 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 if some individual starts to say they are the source of the miraculous, you understand that they are not operating in the spirit of God. They're operating in the flesh, or something even darker. Okay, so we looked at the power gifts, the three power gifts here. Now we're going to move on to the three inspiration gifts. Okay, number one, the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, starting with verse number one. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities or gifts the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. Verse 3, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. The gift of prophecy is a message from God through a person that strengthens, encourages, and comforts. Here's what prophecy is not. From what we see in the New Testament, prophecy is not the ministry of correction or criticism. Okay? 
Prophecy is to build people up. It's to encourage people. It's to comfort those who are afflicted. Pro the gift of prophecy is not, uh, is not the opportunity that you get to go and you just get to go off on somebody and say, thus they saith the Lord. That's not the biblical use or function or operation of prophecy. People have twisted and misused the gift of prophecy to get people to do all sorts of things for their own selfish gain. Okay? If someone ever tells you they have a prophetic word and in it they direct you to do things that God hasn't already been speaking to you about, you need to shut them down and don't give them another moment of your time. For example, God will not speak to someone else to direct you to move to a specific location if he hasn't already spoken to you about that. God will not speak to you about some about, God will not speak to you about who you are supposed to marry. He's going to speak to you about that. Okay? Now God can use people in your life to confirm things that are that that the that the Holy Spirit that God is already speaking to you about, but he is not going to send somebody to, to give you a word that's completely off the wall and out of the blue. He uses prophecy to encourage, to strengthen, to build, and to confirm things that are already going on. I've seen a lot of people over the years completely abuse the term, God told me. And you probably have too. I've heard, I've heard all sorts of things that God told people to do that I'm like, ah, God definitely, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be the smartest person in the world, but God definitely did not tell you to do that. I, I'll just give it to you there. I, I, I know someone that was convinced that God told her to marry a specific person, and she told this person that God told me that you and I were supposed to be married. The problem was is that the guy did not feel the same way at all at all, not an inkling of feelings in that direction. And she tried several different ways to convince this guy that they were destined to be together because God had spoken to her. And she would not, absolutely would not take no for an answer. She kept going, she kept pushing, kept pushing, and he never felt the same way. And she ended up having some mental problems because she just could not get it out of her head that maybe she was mistaken and God did not tell her to do this. And then the famous God told me scenario is when a pastor or the leader of a church has to bring some form of correction to one of the members in the church or some sort of, of critique in an area of, of their lives and they have to have an uncomfortable conversation with them and they have to bring something up because shepherds not, they don't only tell you what you want to hear, they also tell you what you need to hear, right? And, and so you, you have that uncomfortable, tough conversation where, where that's the only way you're going to grow if you have that conversation. And then a few days later, you get a text or you get an email or you get a phone call. Pastor, can we meet? You go have lunch with them and you start talking and have a conversation. And, and in the midst of that conversation, they'll say, God told me that I need to move on to another church. And you know, it's not God telling you that. You got your feelings hurt. You got offended. You don't want to change. You don't want to. You don't want to. Uh, you don't want to do what what you were advised to do in that difficult conversation. So the easy way out is just to go to another church. 
And then, furthermore, so that no one can say anything to you, you say, God told me to do this. God didn't tell you to do that. Now, God does tell people to move on from one church to another church. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. But in this scenario, it's probably because you got offended. It's probably because you don't want to grow. It's probably because you don't want to embrace the change in your life. Now, don't get me wrong. Prophecy isn't always butterflies and flowers, okay? It's not always, oh, you are just the best. And, oh, the whole world is just uh, better off because you, you, you are walking this earth and you are the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Prophecy is not always like that because we can be encouraged to separate ourselves from the world's values, can't we? We can be strengthened by a call to lay down our sinful habits and patterns, okay? We can be com comforted by a prophetic word that encourages us to stay the course because though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you, God, are with me. The gift of prophecy is such an important gift for the body of Christ, and that is why Paul tells us to especially pursue the gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The second inspiration gift is different kinds of tongues. Different kinds of tongues. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because we've already covered speaking in tongues in another message. And if you uh, weren't here to hear that message, uh, under the NUMA series, it's called What's Up with Speaking in Tongues on our podcast. Go back and listen to that. And there's a more in-depth teaching on speaking in tongues. So the gift of tongues is a supernatural utterance that comes from God through the Holy Spirit and is manifested through a spiritual language that was not learned. I've heard stories where someone was in another country and they spoke in tongues and someone from that native country, they literally could understand word for word what that person who was speaking in tongues was saying, even though that person that was speaking in tongues did not know that language and never learned that language, was never taught that language, but they were able to hear it in their own language. That is a supernatural act of God and that is the gift of tongues in op operation. Uh, I remember a friend of mine from the uh, boarding school I attended in high school, he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And this guy, he is, he grew up in, in the Midwest and in, in Missouri, so he had a Midwestern accent. But when the Holy Spirit came on him, he started, uh, he started speaking in an Irish-English accent. <laughs> and so he came knocking on my door and he had tears flowing down his face. And as he was talking, I knew that he was having a legit experience with the Holy Spirit, but I was trying not to laugh because he was talking like an Irishman. But I knew he was being, you know, he was having an encounter with the Spirit, but it was in an Irish voice. I have no idea why that happened, and it happened. He, he talked like that for a few hours, and then it went away, and he talked normal. And, and, and I'm telling these stories of, of, of supernatural events that I've experienced and that I've seen, but you can ask my wife. I am not this weird and wacky person. I, I am all, I study the word of God constantly. I am a very practical person. I am not an overly emotional person, okay? But I have legitimately seen these things happen in my life. And I want to share these things with you because I want to stir up faith in your life to believe for these things in, in your own life. So the gift of tongues is primarily used to edify oneself during your own 
private prayer time, but there's also the public or corporate use of tongues where God, by His Spirit, will inspire someone to speak out a message in tongues to the congregation. But Paul teaches us that this is only acceptable when it is followed in a public uh, worship gathering. It's only acceptable when it is followed by an interpretation of tongues, which is the last inspiration gift. So the last gift is the gift of interpretation of tongues. The gift of interpretation of tongues is the supernatural verbalization of the meaning of a message just delivered by someone in tongues. The purpose of this gift is to render intelligible that which was brought forth in an unintelligible tongue. Okay? So if someone were to speak a message in, in tongues here, the interpretation would come in English so that all of us could understand what God is trying to say to our congregation. And according to 1 Corinthians 14, 5, Paul tells us that in church, prophecy is superior to tongues unless there is an interpretation. If there is an interpretation that follows the message in tongues, then the message and interpretation functions in the same way that prophecy functions because it edifies, it encourages, and it builds up the church. I have personally been in many services where we'll be in a worship gathering and usually it's at the end of a song where everything gets quiet. Someone will stand up and they will give a message in tongues and then someone else will stand up or the same person will give an interpretation in English as to what God was saying to the congregation in that moment. And when this is done in a biblically sound way, it can actually be a great blessing to many people in the congregation because it is God speaking through a vessel what He wants that local congregation, that local gathering to hear. And I think it's also important to note that the gift of interpretation of tongues is not a translation of tongues. There is a big difference here, okay? A translation is an exact rendering word for word from one language to another, while an interpretation is communicating the intent or the essence of the message. That's why you can have a long message in tongues and a short interpretation. Or you can have a short message in tongues and a long interpretation because the Spirit of God is giving you the essence of what or the intent of what God is trying to say through that message. So I want to briefly mention church order when it comes to the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues and how we are going to operate and function in the Grace Place NYC when it comes to these gifts because I think it's important. First, a message in tongues should always have an interpretation in the public worship gathering. Meaning that we're not going to allow just people to just shout things in tongues because it's not biblical. 1 Corinthians 14, 5 says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Verse 28 of chapter 14 says, But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Why? Because no one's being edified and built up and strengthened if no one understands what's going on. Second, 
the operation of these gifts should be limited. Verse 26 and 27 of four, chapter 14. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Verse 27, no more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. Paul instructs us that during the corporate worship gathering, only two or three people should speak a message in tongues, followed by an interpretation. What is Paul doing here? He's setting order in the church because he's trying to teach us that the movement of the Spirit of God is not chaotic. It's not confusing. It's not a free-for-all. It is done in order, and when it is done in order, people can be blessed, people can be encouraged, people can be strengthened, and people will go home uh, uh, saying that I know exactly what God did in my life because although it was supernatural, it was done in a way that I could receive from it. I think Paul understood here that if you don't limit the use in this way, it could become a free-for-all and confusing to those who are new to the church or who are unbelievers that come into your church. And so we never want to do anything in our church that confuses people. We never want to say anything that confuses people in a way that they're like, I don't know what just happened there. Now, if, we, if someone prays for someone and they see someone healed, you might be confused, but you clearly saw what happened. Right. We don't ever want to have something in the service where everybody was like, that is absolute wackiness. <laughs> and I don't ever want to go there again because I, 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 don't know what, I don't know what those people are smoking. But, but it's, something, it's something wild because they, they have to be hallucinating to be doing that kind of stuff. No, what happens in the Spirit as the Spirit is leading it should, should be done in order so that it's not chaotic and confusing. So back to the story I was sharing with you at the beginning of my message. We were scared out of our minds about Avia's eye and just hoping that it wasn't anything serious. I'm not going to lie. I had things coming through my head like, is she going to, you know, is she gonna, did she cut it so bad where she's not going to be able to see out of that eye? Or is she going to, I don't know, all these crazy intense thoughts were going through my head as we were experiencing this. And so we got into our Uber car and me and my wife and my mother-in-law was visiting at the time. Uh, oh, and by the way, I was undergoing chemotherapy treatment at this time. So I was like not at full strength. I was weak. I was sick and all those things. Uh, and so Priscilla, myself and uh, my mother-in-law, we started speaking in tongues in that Uber car. And I think that Uber driver who was a Muslim he probably thought we were absolutely out of our mind. We, we walked in the car speaking English, and we started loudly speaking in tongues, but we were desperate. We, we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going to happen. And so we start speaking in tongues, and then we end, up getting into the, we end up going to the hospital, and they rush us back into a room. And then a bunch of doctors and nurses surround the bed, and, and they, they ask Avia to open her eye, and we're just holding our breath as she opens her eye. And so she opens her eyes, surrounded by all of us and all of the doctors and nurses, and we look at it, and there is not a cut. There is not an ounce of redness in her eye. It is completely and utterly clear. And the doctor goes and looks even closer at the eye and says, guys, there's nothing here. And at this point, 
I'm thinking that the doctors and the nurses think we're, we lied about the whole situation <laughs> to get some attention or something like that. But it was an absolute miracle that took place in the life of my daughter in that moment. It was a miracle. There's nothing else that would explain it. And, and, and afterwards, I remember um, on Priscilla's shirt, because she was carrying Avia, there was uh, dried up, like there, there, there was dried up blood on her shirt. Just if we, if we just thought we were just imagining something, I think God reminded us and showed us that part on that shirt where there was, there, there was dried up blood on her shirt just to, just to confirm that we did indeed see a miracle and we were not making all of this up. If I could have the worship team come up. And in that one story, the gifts of healing, working of miracles, and the gift of tongues were all in operation to bring forth this amazing miracle story. And I want to tell you something, church. I don't know what your church tradition is. I don't, maybe you don't even have a church tradition. Maybe you didn't grow up in church, or maybe you grew up in a church that didn't believe in these things. But I want to tell you something. These things are real. And it wouldn't be in the Word of God if it weren't real. Jesus would not tell us that those who believe in me will experience these signs. Yeah. Peter would not tell us that the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and for those who are, are afar off and those who believe. I don't think the Holy Spirit would put it on the hearts of the writers of the New Testament to go into detail about these spiritual gifts if they weren't for us. So church, I think... The Holy Spirit, I think God wants to take us to the next level because he's got a place for you in the body of Christ and he has a place for you in this local church. And not only does he have a place for you, but he has gifted you. He has given each and every one of you a gift. M maybe one of these nine gifts. There's, there are other gifts that, that uh, we, may go, we may go into and teach on later. But as far as these nine gifts, I believe that God has one of or multiple gifts that he wants you to walk in. And not just for Sunday morning, but it could be on Sunday morning. Because there are people that walk into service that need an encouraging word. They need to be strengthened. They need to be built up. And maybe I can't get to them all the time, but maybe you're the one that can get to them. There are people in your workplace, there are co-workers that may need a healing. Maybe there's someone that's dealing with cancer or diabetes or, 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 or some sort of other, maybe they have some sort of chronic knee pain or whatever. And maybe if you were to say, hey, um, I don't know what you're, I don't know what you believe about this, but I, I, I believe in the power of prayer and could I pray for you? What if you could see something supernatural happen in the life of your coworker? What would they think about Jesus then? And, and maybe they don't get healed right then and there, but you can tell them, I'm going to continue to pray for you, and I'm going to continue to believe. I believe that God wants us to operate in and function in these gifts. And so it's not just enough to learn about these gifts. It's not just enough to read about these gifts. It's not just enough to be taught about these gifts. 
God wants you, each one of you, to operate in these gifts. God wants you to operate in the gift of the prophetic. God wants to use you to, to perform a miracle. God wants to give you a, a, the gift of faith so that you can see something that is humanly impossible, but with God all things are possible. But you need, to, you need to pursue them, as Paul says. You need to desire them, as Paul says. You, you, you need to ask for them, as Paul says. You can't just, you, you just kind of be stagnant about these things. You can't just kind of be indifferent towards these things. Paul says, pursue the spiritual gifts. Earnestly seek and desire the spiritual gifts. Let's pray.